This is 2021. This is the Betfred Super League. Be ready. Hello everyone and welcome along to what is a milestone edition of Eddie and Steve-O, the podcast sponsored and supported by Betfred. This, would you believe, is the 30th edition of our show. If you're with us for the first time, welcome along. If you've been with us from the start uh, during last year, thank you for your continued support and uh, interest. Well, it's a very big week in Rugby League. The Challenge Cup final will be staged at Wembley on Saturday. And down in Australia, we've got the third state of origin battle to look forward to. So let's get into it straight away and say good day again to Steve-O in Australia. Steve-O, always great to catch up. Trust you well. All good? Yes, apart from the fact that it's uh, it's very cold here in Sydney. It's uh, three degrees this morning and uh, I'm well wrapped up. Put it that way. Good. Good lad. Glad to know you've got the scarf on. OK, look, Wembley takes centre stage on Saturday, just six days after the Euro 2020 final between England and Italy. Now, I know we usually don't talk about other sports on this podcast, but Sivo, uh, for the uh, rest of the population here for the last four weeks, they have been consumed by this tournament. And would you believe 31 million viewers watched the final here on Sunday night? It really does go to show what international events, top international events, can do for sport all of the time, doesn't it? It certainly does. And let's hope that uh, the World Cup definitely will go on because that's going to be a huge boost for our game. As you've just mentioned, so many people so interested in, of course. And why on earth do we not? take those penalties. It is a tragedy, isn't it? But the biggest tragedy is all the abuse that some of the England players have been getting on social media. It's an absolute disgrace. I'm proud to be English, and I cannot understand why people are doing this. No, nobody can. I mean, that's the downside of this tournament. The three penalty takers who missed their kicks, they've received dreadful racist abuse, you're right, on social media, condemned by everyone, from the Prime Minister, uh, from the future King of England, all the way down to the man in the street. There is no place for it, is there? No place in society, in sport whatsoever. And not, as far as I'm concerned, Eddie, I have seen uh, footage of the scenes before the game in central London and then after the game. What is wrong with our people? What is wrong with people getting absolutely paralytic and they get themselves in a situation where before the game started, are they really football followers? Are they really sports people? 
I say no. They're just idiots. Well, it would look like that, I must say. And as you say, reports, pictures of the chaotic scenes at Wembley. Of course, we're coming out. Well, they say we're coming out of the pandemic here. We still have over 30,000 new cases each and every day at the moment. But the the, the restrictions are being lifted. Um, and on Saturday at the Challenge Cup final, we have the first, nearly the first free event for Rugby League for a long, long time. 45,000 people expected at Wembley. Should should the Rugby Football League be worried, do you think, about what might happen? Uh, the Rugby Football League will have to be very, very careful. Let's get this game underway and let it be the forerunner of a successful World Cup. I have fingers, toes crossed. We all have, and the Rugby Football League will be certainly keeping their fingers crossed. There'll be no more COVID repercussions this week. Uh, two matches... Hull against Lee and Hull KR against Warrington called off last weekend because of outbreaks. And now, I'm afraid, the Hull derby for Thursday has also been cancelled. Uh, but the, the RFL now beyond the point of no return. If something happens at Castleford or St. Helens and they suffer a COVID outbreak in their camps, what happens then? What happens then? And the same for York and Featherston for the 1895 Cup final. It will have to be cancelled, sadly. There's nothing you can do about it. They can't go ahead because it spreads like wildfire. And I just hope, as I say, I've got all everything crossed in regards to that it gets away with it. And it was interesting to note that Darrell Powell has told his players, uh, don't go out of the house. Please do not go out in the general public because it only takes one and then that's it. The game is off. So let's hope that uh, those precautions that they've put in place uh, makes it a success. Absolutely. And I've read somewhere, I've read some reports that players are actually keeping their children off school this week to make sure that they'll bring nothing home and the game will go ahead. I mean, it's a nightmare situation. There's never been a Challenge Cup final like this, has there? No, and it, 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 it's very sad indeed. But of course, we are now going into the same sort of league when it comes to the pandemic. Uh, there's been a huge outbreak in New South Wales, so much so that the NRL are moving the competition into Queensland. It'll be in Brisbane, the Sunshine Coast, and the Gold Coast. And 300 players, 380, should I say, uh, the players will have to self-isolate when they go up into Queensland. Uh, and also, there'll be 150 officials, and they've estimated that it will cost the NRL 13 million Australian dollars a month. That's incredible. That's a, a remarkable commitment from from the NRL, from the Queensland Rugby League, from the the people of Queensland, the the players, the officials. Uh, to make sure that it happens. But th I suppose in many ways there is there is no alternative. When it was announced, uh, a lot of the players were a little bit reluctant to say, well, they'll go into quarantine. Anyway, they have got around it by saying that, that the families can, can self-isolate in, in Queensland. They'll be put into hotels where they can stay as a family. And there again, each club has to select only 30 players to go into the bubble for that entire season. And that will be more expense when you think about having to fly them 
the entire family, wives and kids up into Queensland as well. So on top of the 13 million a month estimated, uh, there'll be more cost. It's a hell of a commitment from everyone in the in the NRL, and of course New South Wales and Queensland, uh, the third match that too being played in Queensland. It was due to be played in Newcastle, but it's it's now off. It's been shifted north. Um, they take it seriously over there, don't they? There's no messing about, is there? No, and it just shows you that money does count because the uh, shall we say the sponsors. They want it to go ahead. They've paid big money to sponsors such as the events and the, and the NRL. They have to take, and it must have taken a, a deep swallow edit for them to say, well, we have to keep it going. It is our major sport in New South Wales and Queensland. And they'll just have to cop it sweet, as they say in Australia, but it's a lot, a lot of money. And talking of Queensland, uh, Jay Arrow has been booted out of the Origin series for allegedly bringing in a female into the camp, which is breaking the strict protocols. And he's been forced to isolate for 14 days. He will not be playing in the third and final state of Origin. And there's also rumours that the NRL are investigating over a, a few more than one player as involved. And with all the incidents that we've had, first it was Canterbury Bankstown, then it was St. George Illawarra, uh, having parties and breaking, going and having a meal, having a drink and all that sort of thing. I think they tend to forget that they may be stars in their own right, but they've got to realise that spreading this disease kills people. It does make you scratch your head. It really does. Listen, the Challenge Cup final as we speak, is going ahead. So let's have a look at it in this country. Um, last weekend, Castleford, the uh, finalists, along with St. Helens, they scored 18 points. Salford, 70, 7-0. Castleford with a reserve academy team out, 14 players rested, five academy debutants, all aged 18, Daryl Powell says he wasn't going to risk his stars ahead of the final. He says this game should never have been played on the Sunday before a big match. You have to have some sympathy with him, don't you? You certainly do. And uh, I think he's right. Uh, I've always been one of those people that said, look, the Challenge Cup is a very, very special day, especially at Wembley, etc. But why don't they play it? At its normal time. When I was growing up as a kid, it was always in May. Why don't we get this done with, out of the way, so that for the rest of the season we can concentrate on finding out who's going to win the grand final? Well, we did that, didn't we? Early doors, when we first started, way back in 1996, the Challenge Cup semi-finals were done and dusted before the first round of Super League. And apart from the finalists, all the teams had the weekend of the cup final off. Do you think we should go back to that again and revert back to May? Well, I think we have to. I mean, I, look, I know it's different circumstances with this pandemic, uh, but I would have, I would have wanted uh, for years and years, I've been saying, please bring it back, bring it back to the nice weather at the start of the summer uh, in May, it was something that I always looked forward to as a kid, uh, enjoyed it, watching it. And I, I'm thinking, why do we have to confuse it? Why do we have to put themselves in a position 
clubs and players and the coaches that they have to run the risk of having 70 points scored against you. That's not, that's not the right way to run a competition. No, it's not. I mean, we'll come on to the, the, uh, the repercussions for Super League in a moment, but 70 points to 18, a defeat for Castleford. Not the best way to go to Wembley. They've not won the Cup since 1986. But let's just have a note of caution, because in the semi-final, they lost the previous week to Leeds 66-6, yet the Castleford won the semi-final against Warrington against all the odds. So it can happen. You know, Daryl Powell might be, at the end of the day, proved to be a master tactician with this. Oh, he's done the right thing as far as, uh, far as himself, the players and the club. It's been a while since they've uh, they brought the, the Challenge Cup back to Castleford. And we all know that Powell is leaving to go to Warrington. What a way to finish by saying, thank you, fans. Here's the trophy. That's, that's the only thing that's been on his mind. And uh, you can't blame him for doing that. And that brings me back straight away. Get the Challenge Cup all played final by the end of May. Well, the thing is, this result last weekend has, has completely devalued the position at the bottom of the table of the Betfred Super League because Lee now are surely doomed to relegation. We all thought they were going to go down anyway before a ball was kicked. But they're now three wins adrift of the field. Do you think Darrell's decision to play his 14 reserves show uh, disrespect to Super League? I think a lot of people would say yes. Uh, quite frankly, I would say no, because it's such a great event. And the Rugby Football League and the powers that be have to understand that you've got to give some recognition to the fans. And, of course, the players. A player doesn't want to get injured before that. Now, St. Helens, they didn't put out a reserve-grade side. They wanted to have a pretty hard run. Now, this could have a backlash one way or the other. If, if they lose St. Helens, they'll, they'll be saying, well, he shouldn't have played the week before because they weren't up to it. They didn't get 100%. Uh, there were so many people injured. And then, of course, if Castleford win, they said, oh, he's done the right thing. Get this competition finished, out of the way, so we can concentrate, be pandemic or not, so we can concentrate on whoever's going to go to the grand final. Well, there's no worries for Saints uh, on the field of play, they say, ahead of uh, Saturday. They beat Wakefield last Friday. And, of course, if anyone got a, a head knock, and nobody did in the Saints-Wakefield match, um, they would have been able to play in the, the Challenge Cup final anyway because they'd have had the seven days breathing space. Um, but, you know... It was a, gam it was a gamble, Eddie, and, and St. Helens hopefully has, has got away with it. Uh, I would I would suspect deep down that any major coach would rather have a tough competition the week before Wembley. Now Powell has elected to do exactly the opposite, and we'll soon find out if, and it's a big if, that game at Wembley goes on. Yes, indeed. I mean Christian Wolf. He didn't rest any of his players other than uh, Theo Farge and Louis McCarthy-Scarsbrook. 
they they say they've come through unscathed and it's a big match for for the saints as well you know i know they're playing okay in super league they're, they're way up there at the top of the table they've not won this cup since 2008 they want to put the record straight yeah they certainly do uh but as i say it's a We'll, we'll all have to wait. There's, you know, there's pros and cons for both coaches, both teams. It'll be interesting. I, I do hope that they don't have players going out onto the field of play. I'm referring to St. Helens as much as anything because Castleford rested so many players. But in a big game like that, you cannot risk putting out one of your star players who's not 100% or maybe 90% fit. It's happened before so many times. We've watched it, Eddie, and we've seen they're taking a risk on so-and-so and and within the first five, ten minutes, he has to be replaced, taken off the field of play. Yeah, neither of the sides can, can deal with anything like that, really. Um, it's it's a big day on Saturday for two men in particular. First of all, uh, Jordan Turner of Castleford. He's waited, uh, well, since he joined Salford in 2007, so that's 14 years ago, he's waited to get to the Challenge Cup final. He's making his, his debut at the ripe old age of 32 uh, in a Challenge Cup final at Wembley. It's a massive day for Jordan Turner. Yeah, it is. And, and <laughs> he will be hoping that uh, within the next few days that nobody gets tested as positive as will all the players because it only takes one and that's it now the odds uh, they're not long they're pretty short the way that this pandemic is flying around so as i say i just hope that it gets there because throughout the last 18 months two years our game has been up and down. We've, we've had no real, shall we say, authority as to when it will play, should we play, etc. and so forth. And on the brink of this World Cup, we need it. We've seen, as you mentioned, Eddie, you know, so many million people so interested in seeing England play Italy in the final. And we want England not only to get to the final, but to beat whoever it is, especially the favourites, which are Australia. And if we win that competition, it will re-inject and give a huge boost to our game of rugby league. And if we can do exactly the same in the World Cup, then our game will be safe. Because it's a bit dodgy at the moment. You can't avoid the fact that we are in a lot of trouble in regards to competition from other sports. So we need that World Cup badly. We do, but uh, it's, a, it's a massive day for Lachlan Coote, who has put the distractions of the move to Rovers behind him. He's playing as well as ever for Saints at the minute. Yeah, he's been their star player this season, and I must say, uh, though I do hope that he hasn't rung Kevin Brown. Because Kevin Brown, <laughs> I think it was four times he's played at uh, he's played at the Challenge Cup final, and is yet to win it. So it's not certain, but he really is being determined this year. It's, he's been outstanding. We talk about teams going to Wembley a little bit underdone. If you look at what's happened to St Helens over the past month or so, the game against Castleford, funny enough, on June the thirtieth was cancelled. The Tigers couldn't raise a team prior to Saturday. Saints have only played twice 
since beating Hull in the semi-final. They beat Wigan and they lost to Warrington. Games against Leeds, Hull KR and Castleford all called off. So they go to Wembley fresh, do you think, or do they go on the done? I think that was a major reason uh, why Christian Wolfe put out a strong team because he realised that they may have been underdone as they walk out of Wembley. So it, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, one coach has, <laughs> has rested. Uh, one coach has said, no, we need a good run under our belt. I still think it's going to be a fascinating game. Uh, I always enjoy the, the, the cup final. And who, who shouldn't? It's a, it's a great day, and I just hope that everybody can go there. Everyone can be safe. Let's uh, look across the English Channel and uh, talk about Catalan. They're marching on, steve at the top of the table. Eight wins in a row now. Uh, the top of the table, a great win at Leeds. Yeah, ooh la la, as far as I'm concerned. Um, look, it took a while for them to settle into the, the industry of rugby league. Uh, they remember they, they won at Wembley. And that was a huge boost in the south of France. And they've got a sort of a, a different attitude. I'm really pleased that they've extended Sam Tompkins' contract. Uh, he's been outstanding, which is no surprise, because before a ball was kicked this season, this season, you had to say who was going to be the captain of England for the World Cup. And when Sam Tompkins got the nod, I mean, he's playing out of his skin. He does not want to just carry on and say, well, you've never won a trophy with him, etc., and so forth. And I, I, I just think it's a great move. And they've been doing it away from Perpignan. They have. That's the thing, that's the thing that surprised quite a lot of people. They say, oh, well, it's always a disadvantage, you know, for other teams to fly down to the south of France. But they've had to do the opposite. It wouldn't surprise me if they got to the grand final. Well, the, as you say, the majority of their wins have come away from home, either on neutral grounds or on the uh, home grounds of their opposition just lately. I mean, it has been a remarkable run by Catalan. And in, in, this has been a most unusual season, hasn't it? So that just shows you how good that they are playing. And as I say, Sam Tompkins taking up the option and they are building. They are building some good youngsters coming through down into the south of France. And that's perhaps why I was a little bit disappointed that Toulouse didn't get elected to come into Super League. Because that would help spread and bring youngsters into playing rugby league into the south of France. Because they struggle down there. Rugby union is very, very strong. And we need to have not just one good team, but two. And that's why I was a little bit disappointed that Toulouse did not get the nod to join Super League. I was going to say exactly that. They are top of the table, along with Featherstone Rovers, who are playing in the 1895 Challenge Cup final against uh, York at the weekend. But Toulouse, on course, to come into the Betfred Super League maybe uh, just 12 months late. And the other important news from France is apparently uh, they are making a serious bid, a really serious bid, to host the 2025 World Cup. I think they will need the support of the French government, but let's hope that that is forthcoming, eh? Well, the word is that the French government will 
back uh, the approach for the World Cup to be played down there. And I think it's a, a, I think it's a great effort. A lot of people have put a lot of hard work into it, and the international board have said, "Prove to us that financially it can be a success." Once again, that lovely word, money, comes into it. And the French government are on course to say, yes, we will back it. And why not? Well, it would be a wonderful thing for France to host a World Cup. And, of course, it will evoke memories of 1972 and your victory. (laughs) Uh, Although the Aussies say it was a draw. The Aussies always say it was a draw. You never beat them. But that's not right. Well, we beat them in the in the first pre- preliminary round, so we didn't lose to them. And I, I don't know what it is, but I looked through one of my drawers, and I'm sure, I'm sure I've got a winner's medal in there. That doesn't <laughs> that doesn't say we had a draw or we lost. Definitely. Either not. way, either way, even though we won it on the count back because we we never lost a game in that World Cup. Uh, either way, I don't care how they win it. We just need to win it. We've mentioned the NRL's moving to Queensland. We've mentioned the state of origin and the third match. I mean, it's a it's a dead rubber because the Blues have already won the series. Uh, any other any other gossip? Any other tittle tattle from down there in Australia? They're always good for a bit of rumour, a bit of nonsense. Yeah, well, we, we keep putting this Michael Maguire, <laughs> Madge as they call him down in Australia. Uh, we keep putting him under pressure. Now, we all realise that Tim Sheens is arriving to the uh, West Tigers. Uh, he'll certainly be in charge of who they sign, etc. and so forth. Um, but Maguire, after their loss to the Rabbitohs 38-22, um, called his group of players garbage. And evidently there's been a little bit of a backlash with uh, some of the players. And people are pointing the finger at Maguire and saying, you've lost the players. Now, we all know what happens when you lose the players. You normally get sacked. But, of course, you know that the media out here, uh, they're quick to stick the knife or the arrow into your back. And they don't hold back. They give it to them. And it's the same with the case of the young Sam Walker, this young gun who's... uh, who's going to be a superstar, who plays for Sydney Roosters. Now, they were 22-16 up, playing the Canterbury Bulldogs. And with 20 seconds remaining on the clock, young Walker got the ball and raced 90 metres backwards towards his own goal line, just to eat up the clock and ensure the Roosters got a win. Now, a lot of people have said, Big head, why did he do that? This, that and the other. And I can't see anything wrong in what he did. It's within the laws of the game. I know it didn't look nice. And it's certainly something that I would condone. But a young kid, he thought, 20 seconds to go, try and catch me. And he just raced backwards 90 metres and then put his foot into touch. Soon as he put his foot into touch, the hooter went, and everybody's well, going crackers. Well, there's no rule to say you've got to run forward. You can go, as you say, you can go anywhere you want on the pitch, isn't it? Yeah, of course I can. And and I'm thinking to myself, get off the back of this young kid. All if right, he'd all gone I mean, pear-shaped, I can understand why they were on his back. But if if he got the win, and he ate up the last twenty seconds on the clock, 
So what? If it had done something like sidestep three or four people and gone through and scored the try to ensure that they did win, oh, they'd be in raptures, blah, blah, blah. But because he ran backwards, oh, it's not in the spirit of the game. What's the spirit of the game when they're in the laws of the game? Exactly. I he's just a, wonder if he'd, a, have, if he'd have done a sidestep, dropped the ball, and the opposition had picked it up, and they'd run 90 minutes and pinch the match from them, and there'd be even more furore, wouldn't there? Yeah, well, it, it, he deserves to get <laughs> to get it, but he didn't. He had full control of the ball, and <laughs> I mean, it was it was amazing to watch. But all the former superstars over here, oh, disgraceful, we shouldn't have this during the game, this and the other. And uh, <laughs> I can't see anything wrong with it at all. I'd rather have someone doing that than someone with a stiff arm knocks a player out. Now, that's Correct. not in the laws of the game. So I wish the media had just eased up a little bit. Also, um, it just came out today that the Brisbane prop forward, Payne Haas, is set to sign a 10-year contract worth, take a deep breath, $10 million. A 10-year contract? Worth $10 million. Now, he will become <laughs> the most valuable prop forward in the history of our game. And take another deep breath, because there's only two other players have signed a 10-year $10 million contract. Manley's Daly, Cherry Evans, and North Queensland lock forward Jason Tamalalo. A 10-year deal? Really? Yep. Wow. And, you, uh, were born ahead, a... you were born ahead of your time, Steve-O. You were born ahead of your time. Mind you, you got 30 years out of Sky. You did all right. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> <laughs> I know they paid more money to you. You were the star of the show. <laughs> oh, well, it, I, wouldn't, it, I wouldn't say that. It, it's funny, Eddie, when uh, I, I, I look back to when I started at Dewsbury, my first professional game, and uh, <laughs> I got £3.75. Uh, oh, would it have been shillings then, wouldn't it? Three, yeah, three pounds, £3.15. £3.15. Seven shillings or something like that. No, seventy-five uh, pence is fifteen bob. After, after tax. After tax. Well, well that's the first <laughs> here, time in your life. And the are. last time in your life you ever paid tax. <laughs> now, now, now. Uh, but as I say, uh, so that there could be three players down here in Australia uh, that will eventually earn ten million dollars. I mean, when you say it quickly, that's only a million a year. We, I've just got news in, Eddie. Uh, uh, someone just passed me a, a lovely little notice that, you know, the St. George attitude where they all went into having a drink at Paul Vaughan's place, who has been, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's been, he's been sacked. He doesn't have a contract. Well, evidently, the NRL has said to all the players that was there that they have to sign a stat deck, that what they have said is the truth. And two of those, Zach Lomax and Daniel Alvaro, have refused to sign it. And they will be banned from going to Queensland. Uh, from here on in, 
the social media and the wonderful Australian media will be digging up all sorts to try to get the reason why. It's an amazing industry down here. Isn't it just? Isn't it just? It's a happy little week we've had and a happy little week <laughs> that we have reflected on this podcast this week. The 30th, it's a milestone. It's a milestone and there's not been too many laughs until the last five or six minutes. So there you go. There you go. Oh, yes. It's been, it, it's been far too serious. But uh, I appeal to everybody in rugby league, let's keep safe. Very much so. Keep safe and what's more, enjoy Wembley. And I know you've got to uh, you've got to get up early in the morning to watch the Challenge Cup final live, but I know that you'll be doing that and we will reflect the big game. Please, God, it takes place. We'll reflect the big game next week. Well, I'll tell you something, Eddie. I'm a proud Yorkshireman. Come on, Cass. You never know. The first, the first Wembley win since 1986 when Steve-O was still in short trousers. Great to talk to you. <laughs> Talk to you next week. I'll tell you what, you wouldn't be wearing short trousers down here at the moment. It's gone it's gone down to two degrees now. Oh dear. Well you, my uh, heart bleeds. My heart bleeds. Uh, We're in the middle of summer here and we've we're getting pelted with rain. We're getting soaked to the skin. Bye mate.